Hello there. there. Hi there, everyone. Welcome to episode 29 of In a Galaxy, where we watch all the Star Wars we can get our hands on. We are here this week once again with Meg Dowell. She's the associate editor for Utini, the founder of the amazing Project Stardust, and the host of the awesome podcast Starbird Dawn, which anyone who is listening to this should definitely check out if they have not yet. This week, we're going to be talking about Star Wars The Clone Wars, the episodes Clone Cadets, which is season three, episode one, season three, episode three, supply lines, and then season one and episode one, ambush. Don't worry, this is the chronological order. So let's take it away. Yeah, I will say this. Um, what am I gonna say? Oh yeah, we will be back to regular like order next week because chronological order dictates that it's season one, episode two, three, and four. But this is our last like weird chronological thing for a while, so that's gonna be fun. But yeah, um, welcome back, Meg. We're so glad to have you back. I am so glad to be back. I mean, I've only been on here twice, but like every time I come here, you just say nice things about me. So I guess I'll just keep coming back. <laughs> <laughs> we have to do that. Thank you so much. Okay, here we go. So we're at Clone Cadets, which is um, Jacob and I were discussing this before. Um, it's a weird starting to the trilogy of episodes because it doesn't have anything to do with either of the other episodes. Yeah. Um, it has it. It seems like a completely isolated episode, and yet somehow it's here. Um, let's just get into it. Um, so uh the moral we we got to talk about these they're called fortune cookies i believe um uh they're always important they always convey what the episode is going to be about um and the moral is brothers in arms are brothers for life so what do we think about this the what, what do we think about the fortune cookie i love it i mean uh they do a really good job, especially like in the beginning of the show, to like establish that like the clones uh, not only are human and matter, but like their bonds, like their brotherhood, is so important to them. And that is it repeats itself like throughout the series, and it's especially important like when you get to the very end. So I just love that they're really hitting home with it. My thing is for an episode. This is just me for an episode that we'll get to. This seems so on the nose. They could have, um, I think, a better fortune cookie, and I, w I want to hear both of your thoughts on this, is teamwork makes the dream work. <laughs> it, I, it, se it seems like hitting the nail on the head at that point. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, Jacob, your thoughts about the fortune cookie? I didn't, I didn't think about the fortune cookie, but what I will say is that I think this is a strong start to the trend that we see of, and, we're, and I'm, I'm going to talk about this more later, but the idea of really the show is really kind of setting up the clones way more focusing on the individuality of them mm -hmm. and as meg was saying the bonds in between them and i think that really that really kind of sets the show on a different path from the prequel movies which portray the clones as kind of this uniform force and they they don't faceless. talk much yeah uh -huh. much more of a um yeah, like all the shining knights in armor lined up. And I think that if we this show didn't exist, I think I think my experience of the the prequel era in relation to the clones and the Jedi might be very different. There's this um what was I gonna Oh yeah, there's this line in Ambush, which we'll get to later on. Um there uh that cave scene, which by the way is my favorite scene in any of the three episodes we watched. Mm -hmm. And uh they're they all the three clones 
are like, yeah, we all share the same face. Um, and Yoda's like, yes, but in the Force, you are very, very different people. Uh, and he goes on to, uh, and again, we'll get to this when we get to this, but uh, he goes on to ex express all their specific needs, like actually the the analysis of Shakti early on in this episode about how the clones are weak and how they can improve um, to be a fighting force for the Republic. Um, and it shows that just because you're cloned from the same person doesn't mean you are the same person, which I thought was an, is it a really interesting message and something. Even if clone cadets and ambush aren't connected as, a, as stories, they are connected spiritually, I think, because of that. Um, okay, let's let's uh, get into the episode. So the episode starts with uh, Domino Squad uh, doing their Citadel training course. I have a couple of logistical questions with this. It's in a galaxy. We all got to go with our logistical questions. Um, so first one, the Citadel. Why are they using the Citadel as a training course? We know they only ever uh, have one mission to the Citadel throughout the entire war. And that mission, they lose so many clones, there are Jedi there. And also, the Citadel is so heavily guarded, it's the most heavily guarded, as we will find out a couple seasons later, prison in the galaxy, that they don't even have updated, like, maps and graphics of it, because it's so secret. Any thoughts about that? I, that was something that just kind of confused me. Um, um, I, I would say, is it the same... Um... Is it a replica? Is it is it meant to be a replica of the Citadel on Lola Sayu? I believe I'm that's what you're sure. referring to. I'm pretty sure it is. Okay, really, really, I did not know that. Yeah, that that's, that's what interesting. I guess it would be. I guess they're saying it, it may not be universal, but at least we can model it on some separatist facility. Yeah, it but just one thing like that if I want to never try to go there. It seems like why would they even you know. One thing that I want to bring up um, that, that I found really interesting and thought-provoking was the introduction to this episode when the announcer was talking about how the, he was using lots of big words like these clones are like statues of bravery, obviously I'm paraphrasing. I don't know what I'm saying really, but um, like the, the, their valor, this. that's their lifeblood. And that really, that really interested me because I think intellectually watching this, we know that like everything's being manipulated by both sides but then we we see this show presented from a very heavy heavy standpoint of of directly good and evil and that the republic is good and the separatists are evil do, do you guys have any thoughts on that yeah i think that's an interesting point i think that um what am i going to say yeah, it's it's uh actually I, I was I gotta say I don't pay that much attention to the opening Yularen things. I'm just like, oh there's <laughs> another Yularen thing. Yay, cool. Yeah. Okay. That's just me. Any thoughts, Meg, on any of this? Um, I mean uh, honestly I also don't always pay attention to the beginning uh <laughs> speeches. Um no, but that's really interesting though, because um I, I think like even because this is season three, right? Okay, so I've I've watched uh, this chronological chronologically before. Wow, why is that word suddenly so hard to say? Um, 
but it like it messes with me especially in the beginning because like oh we're in season three now and then we're going back to the very beginning of season one um i think like they just uh repeatedly have to like do everything they can to establish that like i don't know these clones like they are technically like slaves of the republic and like they're meant to be this like intimidating uh force and uh kind of like the stormtroopers end up becoming but um and i think like they're very proud of the clones that they've created in this army so like i think they just keep talking about that maybe yeah i think um one thing that that when you say that what i think of is one way that we see the show evolve i think the clone wars one thing that really one measure by which we can see it kind of maturing as a show and tackling more difficult themes is how we start to see the clones more as slaves and we start to see these deeper or maybe harder harder to tackle questions about the morality of having clones yeah. and so i think yeah. I that definitely is 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 shown here perhaps a little bit i think but more so later on yeah i i actually really love you know um there's something I love about any training sequence in any Star Wars anything, you know, um, Mm -hmm. we get Jedi training with Luke on Dagobah or Rey on Octo and Eight, um, we get Sith training later on in the Clone Wars with Dooku and Oppress, and now we get clone training, um, and of course it's very different than both of them. Um, one of the things I don't understand is, who are these bounty hunters they're getting to train the clones? Like, we never hear about them any other time in the Clone Wars. There's even a point in which in the episode where I think it's Echo who asks, so why aren't Jedi training us? And I'm like, well, I understand why Jedi can't train you, but Echo does have a point that, like, they they got bounty hunters, but they got, like, some of the worst bounty hunters in the galaxy by virtue of the fact that we never hear about them ever again in the series. Yeah. I don't know if that's, like specifically a callback to uh legends but like um what is it why can't i blanking on the name of the series um the republic commando books uh that it's like a story about um like a squad of clones um and like one of the main characters in the in those books is like their uh commander i don't remember if he's like a bounty hunter but like he is or no i think he's just a mandalorian but like it's kind of like the same thing where like they're not trained by Jedi. They're trained by these other uh, hires, I guess. Um, so I don't know if that was like a subtle like nod to that or not. But I, I always liked that because um, it does kind of make sense that like you wouldn't have Jedi, uh, you know, doing all the training, right? Because like they have they, they other have stuff to do. to do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think... First of all, I'd like to mention the fact that I forgot about this. Meg, you're now producing that um legends look back on utini's twitch channel i um, am so i uh, all the legends knowledge of this episode is probably going to be coming from her um i <laughs> uh, what was i gonna say uh yeah it just seems like you know i was like they could get mo they could get suge like they couldn't get cad bane because cad bane doesn't like them but it does feel like <laughs> you can get any bounty hunters and you get them yeah yeah i think i think meg you bring up a good point that it could be a callback and the way i interpreted it was kind of 
the the um it was kind of an allegory maybe or just a little hint at the republics how i don't know how quite how to phrase this the republics and the jedi's moral decline maybe i'm not i'm not quite sure but just kind of the fact that they're 12 minutes into the recording and jacob's already brought bringing up the republic and the jedi losing their way so right on schedule sorry (laughs) i can't i can't help myself i love the jedi but i just can't help myself (laughs) Um, but I think that I, th- I think that maybe, maybe in my mind at least, it was a hint at the fact that look, the Republic and the Jedi are are hiring out bounty hunters. Who, I mean, one of these got Brick, the guy with the large uh, brain holder. Left one of the Cantina head. patrons, right? Uh, yeah, he is. That type of behavior makes me think that from Brick makes me think that it is a hint that maybe. The Jedi and the Republic aren't. I don't want to say not doing their due diligence, but maybe they don't. They aren't doing due diligence. Care as much as they guy. should. I don't know. I, I don't know. For in that episode, in this episode, I do feel like Brick. I know they wanted to set him up as this like obstacle in Domino Squad's way, but he seems overly harsh to me. Um, mm-hmm. he he seems like taking actions. Like I get if you're, I get it if you are distrustful and if they fail, they fail. I get that. Um, I don't agree with that, but I get that. Um, but it's like, why does he, like, the whole thing with cut-up, that seems just like a really ham-handed way to tell an origin story that didn't really need to be there. I kind of, so, like, with that specific part, because that's, like, the part in the episode where um, they're all kind of, like, it's showing all of them trying to get out of their situation in different ways. Um, so I feel like that was kind of like, uh, what was I going to say? Um, yeah, I feel like with that part, it was really kind of just like establishing like, uh, uh, you know what? I lost it. But um, yeah, go ahead. Say something else so I stop okay. talking. <laughs> I was going to, I just feel like that is the one thing that this episode, even though I love this episode, I think this episode is a little bit clunky with is like, I think it needs, I think it feels like it needs to establish all five clones, droid bait, cut up, heavy, echo, and fives origin <laughs> stories, so it has to plop them all into this episode. It's, this is the solo of the clone troopers. Um, yeah. <laughs> Jacob and I will harp on and on about how much we hate that scene from Solo, even though we like Solo as a whole. Um, yeah, um, one thing that I thought, if we, if I can kind of open if I can kind of open up a new um, Go ahead. conversation a bit, the fact that Shock T goes along with the behavior from Brick, from the sabotaging to him being really eager to fail yeah. them, that kind of I found that illuminating, and that kind of put the Jedi in a different light mm-hmm. for me. And you see that kind of this this I, I don't quite know how to put my finger on it, but you see this kind of more dispassionate attitude. From these more senior Jedi and the old Jedi order, like Mace Windu, displays this a lot. Like in um, yeah, that's actually like, a weird part for like me. Like in the Mar- Shock T, she has a penchant like in, for being like a very kind person. Yeah, but like in the Martez sisters, when they talk about the the Jedi who crashed and killed their parents, the Martez sisters' parents in season seven, and then just says, or according to the according to the retelling, just says it's okay. The the Force has a plan. That kind of Maybe I'm not quite sure what the word is, but that kind of um, 
that kind of attitude and that kind of approach is something very different. And maybe that's kind of why Anakin, maybe we don't see this a lot. Maybe that's why Anakin is dissatisfied with the Jedi Order. Maybe we see a lot of these warmer type of Jedi in their, in their attitudes and the way they intervene in different scenarios, like Kanan, Ezra, Luke Skywalker, at times Obi-Wan. Yeah. But then this, maybe this sort of detachment and her just saying, yeah, if you want to fail them, go for it. Oh, you sabotage them. Well, that's just the way life is. Now they're going to have to figure that out. Even though, even though Jedi would probably care about like the morality and the upstandingness. It's the, it isn't fair. Life isn't fair. Sort of part of it. Also, by the way, that Jedi is Luminara and Dooley. Um, It is. Okay. That really puts that. Yeah. That just changed my perspective of the Jedi. And I really kind of makes me makes me think maybe there's part of the Jedi that we don't see a lot in the films but that is being alluded to I like and, to, and the way the Jedi are behaving before we get on to any other big sweeping things I want to get some low-hanging fruit out of the way just uh easter eggs that I love first of all the training course they set it to module THX variable 1138 which is very nice I like that I approve of that um it's a george Lucas reference reference um yeah also um did you notice multiple times in the episode they call domino squad a bad batch (gasps) they did yeah that plan is in there four seasons ahead um i like it yeah that that was something i caught i'm like oh i see what you did there um there was something else um I just need to say that 99 is my favorite clone ever. Um, oh, 99. I just, I just love him so much. And like the fact that like his whole thing is just like, I want these, you know, younger, more capable clones to succeed. Like we're all still brothers. I want them to do well. And I want them to I'm, succeed. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. Oh, I love, I love him so much. That, that, that was the only other thing I had. Yep. Oh. I thought his message was when I was watching this yesterday in preparation, his idea of don't squander your your connections. Don't um let me let me see what it say. He said take like-, like have your brothers backs like in this in this time of the pandemic and everything that's going on this May twenty twenty is such a chaotic year. Mm-hmm. That just that just really <laughs> that just really hit me. <laughs> oh man. I, I will say um this hurts because um, so 99 dies in the next episode of the chronological of the, not the chronological, released of the series, which is called Our mm-hmm. Troopers. We're not getting to that for a long, no. long time. We just skipped over the episode. It goes one, <laughs> three. So yeah. we are, so basically what I'm trying to say is for about two seasons of this show, 99 is still alive and we have just have to approach his impending death, which we know is coming. Oh, so sad. So yeah. he, he, he's one of the good ones. Do Supply it. lines. Yeah. I gotta confess something. The other two episodes I've seen so much. This is the one I've seen the least. Um, <laughs> I don't, I'm not even sure if I've seen this episode all the way through, to be completely honest. I've seen clips oh, wow. of this episode. But, um, but I, it, it, is, it, it is my least favorite of, this, of the three. But that's mm-hmm. not really because of supply lines. It's because of how good Clone Cadets was and how much I love Ambush. Yeah. In about 20 minutes, I'm going to go full gushing over Ambush because it's like one of my favorite <laughs> episodes of that show. Um, but yeah, so the moral, where there's a will, there's a way. 
I thought of the three morals, this one was the most kind of like, okay, we get it. It was kind of, it was it was a little bit on the nose for me, but um, I don't know. I maybe wanted something a little more abstract or something. Yeah, I kind of was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, do you have anything? I know you don't didn't look. At I don't the- know. I'm just gonna kick off this part by saying I absolutely love this episode. Oh, I, I like think, this episode a lot too. Yeah. I it, I think it was I I just remember from my from watching this from watching the Clone Wars the first time when I was maybe twelve or eleven when I when I was younger. This episode really stuck with me, and I think I, I absolutely love the way they did Toy Daria with the the cool spire rounded by the low swamplands. And I just love the, I feel like this, this episode has a really strong, um, this episode just has a really strong feeling like it's an allegory and that it kind of, it, it's really, it, it really sticks out to me as like this fight between good and evil. And maybe it's because I won't go into this too much, but maybe it's because it's election season, whatnot. but I just feel like the way that it's all wrapped up in all this, this intrigue and there's so much lying going on. It just really, um. I felt like I really, I really, really connected to it this time, and I felt like it. It felt very prescient. I know to you our love Ryloth situation. stuff a lot. I know you love. I, I love Ryloth. I love Twi'leks. They're um, a cool species. Yeah. So one of the things I'm least impressed with about this episode, I gotta, I'm not gonna lie. Um, so they sent a Jedi to defend Ryloth, and what is that Jedi's name? I'm a gun. I'm a gun. Die. Oh, Gee, I what? wonder what happens to this Jedi. Oh, are you serious? I oh. wonder what's gonna happen. It, I, it, it's what it's like the Tibidi in Rebels. They couldn't name a, the bird something, so they just stuck vowels after T, B, and D. I mean, like I forgot that he died when I was rewatching this, and so I got like a little sad at the end. But I was like. But they totally set it up for that anyway, because like we yeah, totally never see did. this Jedi. So <laughs> my my like kind of headcanon about this, and I'm I'm ninety nine percent sure this is probably right, is they had the Jedi dying first, and then they named him afterwards. It makes more sense because yeah, probably yeah. Uh, and yeah, let's see. So we get a lot of Bail Organa in this episode, and uh, I love Bail Organa. Bail Organa is yes. awesome. Uh, there's there's this feeling like I don't know he's he's never gonna be my favorite character in Star Wars because you know there are so many great characters but like you always want to root for Bail Organa in the end yeah I um, like the the uh, Bail Organa Jar Jar team up seems like it wouldn't work at all but like for some reason I love it it's just like I don't know why I just get so much joy out of the two of them trying to figure this out together. <laughs> That's the thing. Actually, I will say this about this. You episode. put you you yeah. You hit the nail on the head. There's so, I think it's because they're an unlikely duel. You've got Bale, who's got a deep voice. He's very Stoic. composed. He's he's yeah. He's uh he knows what he's he's doing. He's he's confident. He's and then you have Jar Jar. He's who's no so nonsense. Then you have Jar Jar. I will say this. Um, if you had told me that we'd take three of my least favorite concepts from the Phantom Menace, Kodarians. <laughs> Jar Jar and Nemoidians. Oh, and Toydarians, actually, four of them. Wait, I think I said one of them twice. Never mind. Toydarians, Nemoidians, and Jar Jar. 
If you t- told me you could put three of those episodes, throw those elements in an episode, and have me actually love this episode, I would not believe you. But it actually happened. I, I will say, I think it's because they made all those elements like 50% less racist. So that's a good start. <laughs> I actually had that thought. Um, but I think what one of the reasons that works is that it's switching back and forth between um, Bale and Jar Jar and then back to Ryloth and back again. I think if, if they just stayed on... Um, Tordaria the entire time. Yeah. We could if not they just stayed the there, episode. yeah. I don't think it would have been as tolerable but because it kind of switches and then there's like because it's like the two conflicts going on but like there's one that's like physical violence and then the other one is like they're trying to do this like poor debate like i think those that contrast i think it just makes it work yeah and i think one thing that i like about this episode is like how um it, it kind of shows that these it's basically in in many ways it's the same fight that's happening it's the separatists and the the fit Dodd, who is basically in league with the separatists, even though he won't, he will never admit it. Yeah, and we're showing how these decisions that are being made in this court are are going to directly affect so many lives. And I think it's interesting just to see the same fight, basically, and the same struggle play out both in a political arena and in a in a very very violent military battle. Mm-hmm. That's my thing about this episode, actually. I was This is my main logistical problem with this episode. Um, uh, this is the last logistical problem I'm bringing up, I think. Which is that, so, Lot Dodd's actions in, in this episode don't make a lot of sense to me. So, he's not, New Gunray is not publicly with the Trade Federation anymore. Even though he worked with Lot Dodd, they're the same species, and they... You know, they've been in the Trade Federation for years together, but nope, New Gunray is just far away from that, and they're totally siding with the Republic. Okay, that doesn't really make a ton of sense. That's my that's my thing, is like, how does no one... Does anyone actually believe the fact that New Gunray is not with the, with the Trade Federation anymore? Because I don't think Bale does. I think it's just hard to say. I don't know, does anyone have any thoughts about Ryloth? Oh, yeah, I was going to go with Ryloth. Um, can we get an I'm a Gun Die backstory, please? <laughs> like, seriously, I want to see more of him because he seems... He actually does seem, in contrast with Shakti from Clone Clans, he actually does <laughs> seem like the kind of Jedi that, like... He does seem very Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan-esque. He has that kind of spirit about him. Yeah, agreed. He, he you know... Of course, at the end of the episode, he sacrifices himself to save the lives of the of Chamsadula and Gobi and Numa, which I will never forget after messing that up in trivia, Jacob. Uh, no. Yeah, I... What Twi'lek character was a major character in Rebels and the Clone Wars? Not thinking I said Ahsoka to Gruda. Very nice to me. Oh, no. Like, um, <laughs> Yeah, it seems like all of my trivia questions are coming up these days. Um, or maybe I just notice them more. Uh, but yeah, uh, can we get an... Um, my point is, can we get an I'm a die and Captain Keeley backstory? Because they seem like good characters. I wouldn't mind that. I'm a die seems like a nice guy. Captain Keeley seems pretty tough and cool. Yeah. Um, I, I Actually, I just thought about this. This episode is like... It's like... I'm trying to think if we get any other last stands or like clones or Jedi, like prominent Jedi just straight up 
dying like this in the Clone Wars. Like, other than Galia, Adigalia in Season 5. That's a unique part of this episode. It's like, they just straight up die. They Actually, yeah. this episode reminds me of Rogue One a lot in that aspect. Oh, yeah. It's the harsh brutality of war. It, the, the heroes don't have plot armor in this case. So they cannot be saved. Um, yeah. yeah, and I I think also with this episode, um, there's the point that uh, you can do a lot of risky things to save a few people, but you still can't save everyone. Um, yeah. You know, because they got the supplies to them and like as much as they could, but like there, you know, there was still death. There's still loss. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's see. One thing, if I can go off what go. Meg go and ahead. Eli just said, one thing that I one one thing that I found compelling about this episode was the battle scenes, especially the opening scenes with the trench, and just the entire way that the battling was portrayed. And you had the uh, the Twi'leks and even some of their families, even though that's incredibly difficult to think about. Um, it really just kicks it up a notch from the earlier seasons of the Clone Wars. It makes everything feel. It just. Maybe it doesn't make it, but everything just feels so much messier and desperate in this battle. And I'm not going to say it feels realistic because it doesn't, but it feels much more visceral and intense. And it feels consequ—it feels consequential in a way that earlier battles do not. A couple of things, lo- more low-hanging fruit for this episode, um, references and stuff. Uh, first of all, um, we have, uh, I know Jacob loves this. Um, I'm not sure how much you like this, Meg, but... Uh, battle droid humor. I love battle droid humor. I know Jacob loves battle droid humor. Uh, so we got, of course, the excellent. Uh, no clones in here, just explosives. Explosives, and then they, and then it blows up. Oh man, I have a lot to say about droid humor in the in the next episode. We're going to talk about. Oh my but god, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm, <laughs> we, I think Jacob and I both have the same favorite battle droid humor line, and it's from Ambush. So. Uh, oh, I think I know. I think. I think I know what we're thinking. I think we're all thinking about the same thing. Possibly. I really hope so, because that line is beautiful. <laughs> that line is honestly beautiful. Um, also, did anyone get a, um, uh, like, when Jar Jar's distracting the Nemoidians at the dinner, did anyone get a, the thing first, the, the first thing that flashed in my head is, um, uh, we had negative, negative, we have a uh, reactor leak in, uh, <laughs> yeah. um, boring conversation anyway. Luke, we're gonna have company! <laughs> Did you like? Did you pay attention to like his mumbling when he was like picking up the plates? I'd never like listened to it before, but it's hilarious. I don't remember what he says, but it's very. Uh, this is why very, subti- I'm glad subtitles exist, and I always yeah. watch with them. Oh, uh, I actually, yeah. I actually was. Um, uh, I, I watched it with subtitles. And I'm like, this is actually quite hilarious. Yeah, I never what thought I'd be say? laughing at Jar Jar, but here I am. I don't. I didn't watch with subtitles, but I just remember him. Taking plates of food and saying, "Oh, you're finished. Are you finished with that? Yeah. Did you enjoy that?" And it was like no, nothing had been touched because everyone was trying to be polite because it was a fancy dinner. Also, Jacob, we should one hundred percent add this criterion to the stacking pile of evidence that we have that Jar Jar is a Sith Lord. I think this oh, is Jar Jar using his clown powers for good, though, <laughs> because this is something that feels separate from the overall inevitability of like like they're saving they're saving the lives of this war of uh, they're saving lives on this 
or they're trying to save lives and prevent starvation on this war-torn planet. That seems genuinely good outside of the, uh, the I guess, the, yeah, the inevitable arc of everything coming towards a Palpatine dictatorship. So I think this is maybe, or, or though maybe maybe Jar Jar is just so many levels ahead of me. Like maybe maybe he's got me completely fooled. I I'm still gonna believe he's the Sith Lord, like till the end. Honestly, yeah. Um, how can he balance all those plates? How how can he? How can he juggle those plates? Yeah. <laughs> like I I don't I'm not sure of any human that can juggle that many plates. Let alone a clumsy Gunkin. Anything else about supply lines before we go on to what I think is the best episode of this th- of the three of these? You I know, I think that's all for me. Okay, well, I have a couple of things. I go really ahead. was reminded of Leia in this episode. And I don't know if that was intentional, but the way they the way they portrayed Bale, that the things that happened to Bale, it really reminded me of Leia. And I, um, I know it's just a show, but it made me feel all warm and fuzzy because yesterday I was reading the uh, the uh, Leia Princess of Leia Princess of Alderaan book by Claudia Gray. Have either great of you read book. that? Yes. Yeah, it's great. So good. I, I've read Claudia Gray Leia though. I oh, Eli, you've got to read it. Wait, Leia. I think yeah, I think we're talking about the same book. Actually. Yeah. No. The, no, the no. scene. Okay. Yeah. The mercy missions are a tradition of that family, and I love that. I love the way that in Leia, she pulls off this incredible finesse in that book where she goes to Wobani and um, she ends up not only delivering the supplies, but hiring 100 refugees as uh, crewmates to get past the Imperial regulations. And then Tarkin later like tracks her down and says, basically, without, without even, of course, in a very Imperial Tarkin-esque way, without even having to say anything really just saying something about imperial regulations without with like saying nothing but saying everything that he knows what she did like when he says um like when lot dodd says you're playing a dangerous as oppo- game as, as opposed to the totally unsubtle way lot dodd does it yeah lot, lot dodd just shakes his fist and snarls and whatnot that just that, that just um i don't know if that was purposeful or not but i love the parallels we can even i love noticing to- we can even tie it to Princess on Lothal Rebels. Um, when, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Even though I actually like Princess on Lothal a lot better than this episode, but that's just me. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Anything else, Jacob? Or are we going to go on ambush? Nope. I think I'm. If, if everyone else is good, I'm good. Let's talk about ambush. Okay. I want to just talk about ambush a little bit uh, about my experience with ambush. This is the Clone Wars episode I've watched the most out of every episode. This is my favorite of all of these. It's not my favorite Clone Wars episode, but I think it's like probably in my top fifteen or twenty somewhere because I I love this episode so much. Um, uh, so our moral is: great leaders inspire greatness in others, and I think this is the best fortune cookie of all three of them. Honestly, mm-hmm. um, it's not completely on the nose, but it's not also not on the nose. Um, uh, and one of the things I love about Ambush, now watching Supply Lines before, is how perfectly Supply Lines sets up Ambush. Yeah, um, they have the added benefit of creating Supply Lines after Ambush, but like still, yeah, <laughs> um, it, it's a very it's a very good setup there. Um, and uh, it's funny because I, I think I've said this on Twitter before because I'm not a 
big fan of the design of Yoda in Clone Wars or the voice of the Tom Kane voice of Yoda in Clone Wars. But <laughs> I think they absolutely nail everything Yoda says. Um, I yeah. think, you know, Yoda's, I will get this out of the way, Yoda's my favorite Star Wars character. And so it's not hard to see why I love this episode so much. Because it's just, it, it's, I describe this episode to people as Yoda just doing Yoda. Um, <laughs> which, yeah. Uh, His eccentric charm really comes through. I, yes, it does. Um, there's a lot of parallels to other things that Jedi say in the saga, too. All let's see. Uh, where is it? Um, oh, he meditates to harness his Force powers like Qui-Gon Jinn does before he faces Maul in Phantom Menace. Uh, where, where also? Oh, strong you are with the dark side child, but not that strong. Mirrors strong I am with the Force, but not that strong from Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, there's a lot of good references in this episode, especially to the Force um, characters. Oh, deceive you eyes can. Your eyes can deceive you don't trust them from Obi-Wan and New Hope. Um, yeah. Um, maybe before we talk about the bigger things of the episode, we'll get the low-hanging fruit, aka the battle droid humor, out of the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, first of all, I know one Jacob loves is, That was a terrible shot! Ah, well, it's my programming. <laughs> a good one. I don't know. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. Okay. Um, sorry, I feel like I've been talking a lot. So no, if, no, like, Meg, whenever you want, jump in. <laughs> Steer us in the right direction. I don't know what it is. The Battle Droid humor is so, um, it's low, it, it is, it is low-hanging low fruit, and yet it just, it is so funny. And I really think that, Maybe I'm looking way too much into it, but I really think that um, the way that the battle droid humor is put in and the way that this show gives the clone, sorry, not the clones, the battle droids more personality kind of mirrors what they do to the clones to a lesser degree. And I think it also changes drastically the way that the, the way that the, this, at least for me, in my experience, it changes the way I, I, I take in the, the entire, and the way I process the entire time period of the Clone Wars, including the movies, because it's, it's so different from the, um, it, it's so different from the, the way the battle droids are in the movies where they're a lot more silent, but, uh, but, but kind of monotone and, you know, they're, they're way more of the, um, they're more of a mirror image to the way the clones are, where they're in in the in the movies where they're more uniform. They they have less they have less individuality, less personality, and you know I do think it increases the enjoyability of the of the TV show a lot. But I can't help but wonder what would it be like if the battle droids and and I mean what would the uh, what would the story feel like? if the clones and the battle droids didn't get the treatment that they did in the Clone Wars. There's this line in the Honest trailer for, I think it's episode three, um, uh, calling the clones um, and droids two disposable CGI armies running up against each other. Um, (laughs) And I love how the Clone Wars completely dispels that sort of myth. Um, Jacob, uh, I think I'm going to do it. I'm going to talk about the the best line of battle droid humor throughout the entire Clone Wars series. Can I, do I have your permission to go ahead with this? 
Oh, I, you already said what I thought the best line was, oh, so I think we've had a oh. miscommunication, but uh, go for it. Yeah, yeah. But I just got promoted. <laughs> oh, that's a good one, too. It's my favorite one. It's I, I laugh every time I hear it. I think we must have, we must have, when talking to each other about this episode and about the Clone Wars, we must have said this line dozens of times because it's such a good line. Um, I don't doubt it. Yeah. Um, I, I, um, also, I just noticed another uh, reference to a Force user, and it's actually Yoda himself, which is, uh, uh, he says, size is not everything, which is, of course, a reference to judge me by my size, do you? Um, so, full of references this episode. Um, yeah. Uh, so, they're going down to negotiate with Katunko, and Ventress sets up, uh, this kind of challenge where, 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 um, uh, she, uh, where he, she challenges the assumption that one Jedi equals a hundred battle droids. I just want to appreciate how beautiful Rugosa is. Yes. The, uh, the coral moon. Yeah. I love how um the the shows like the Clone Wars and Rebels and even Resistance, although it it's not it's not beloved by a lot of people. But you make it abundantly good. clear. I love the opportunities that these shows give to really just put on display the beautiful artwork and i i i i can't stop gushing over the the um the environmental artwork the backgrounds the sunsets the skies the clouds that all these animated all the star wars animated shows give us i just i just love them and i think that i would watch it for the visual beauty alone i think it's amazing good thing we're getting a fourth animated show that'll probably provide even more of that yay Bad, oh. bad type right here. Um, That's the, for the, sure. the TV show that actually, I gotta be honest with you, I sometimes forget is happening because there's so many Star Wars projects happening these days that it just feels like, oh yeah, there's the Bad Batch too. Yeah, like I, I honestly have forgotten that like TV is even still happening, for being honest. Um, yeah. The way that this year is going. Uh, before I forget, um, one thing I did notice before we get to the cave scene is uh, one of the clones gets injured. Um, and that's kind of like a callback to clone cadets where like when they're training um someone gets injured and they're like oh no like we'll just leave them behind let's go and they uh fail because of that um so this is just oh, like yeah. bringing that back like and, oh yeah we no man left behind you know and they yeah. they save him right away i thought that was cool good connection very good connection yeah i like the um i like the way they kind of made that their priority because and i think that's one thing that we see the empire maybe not get wrong because it's by design but one way we see the difference in between the republic and the empire is the empire saying like we I, we see when it in canon books down he's down yeah we just say if the stormtrooper is down you must continue with the mission whereas the clones will always try and save their uh their brothers and their their compatriots yeah i was gonna say you know what's um one more thing before we get to the cave scene you know what's really sad about how many times I've watched this episode? I um, was saying to myself, okay, I bet I can identify all three clones' names before the ep- before I watch the episode, because that's how much I know this episode. Oh, I got all three of them right. So that's, that's, that's <laughs> how much I've watched this episode. I want to see more of all of them, because we never see Jack Rish or, Rish or especially Thyre. I really like Thyre. Um, we should yeah. totally see more Thyre. Um, 
Who's the let's one that go... gets injured? What? Who's the I... one that gets injured real quick? I think it's Jack, but I'm not sure. I don't think it's Dyer. Um, but anyway, let's go to the cave scene. The cave scene, I love the cave scene because it details, this is maybe one of the, this and Yoda scene in The Last Jedi are two of my favorite Yoda scenes, period, ever. Because they show, Last Jedi shows something different about Yoda, but this shows why Yoda is such a great, not just Jedi, but teacher. Mm-hmm. He can, you know, um, what's the uh, great leaders inspire greatness in others is the fortune cookie. And this is why that exists because Yoda is saying, hey, it's the opposite of Brick. It's like, Brick is like, here's where you need to improve um, uh, in a very gruff, harsh voice. And um, and Yoda's like, okay, so here is the area, here, here are, there's also here areas where you need to improve. But it's also a, I know you can do this. I understand. I, I, I see you and I hear you and I know you can do this. Here's where you, you gotta push. Here's where you gotta struggle. Here's where you gotta go. Um, yeah, for about, sure. Yeah. Um, it it's such a. Um, they also interpolate the Yoda theme throughout this episode, which I think is like just so beautiful. Oh, yeah. um, it shows that however hard, unfortunately, however hard Kevin Kiner tries and john powell and michael giacchino and all the other people writing star wars scores there's nothing like john williams yeah uh one quick thing that i realized this is the pilot episode but besides the uh the movie which i i don't know what the critical reception was like at the time but i can't imagine it was it had the most fanfare i'm I'm waving Mm -hmm. my thumb down very hard because yeah. <laughs> yeah. I gotta say, I know Jacob, you hold a lot of nostalgia for the movie, but how infinitely better was this episode than the movie? Yes. And one of the reasons I think, one thing I just want to say quickly before I see the rest of my time for this part, because I don't have that much to say, but I think that it, it felt like a realizing that this is going back in the first episode in, 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 uh, in real life. The first episode that was that was put out, I think it's a really good statement of where what direction the show is headed in. I, I think it's a bold statement. Agree. The cave scene, especially, like we see these clones, they're going to be a focus of the show. They're not just they're, they're not just props anymore. Yeah. They're people. And there's a very yeah. good resolution of that, which is. There's that line after they defeat all the tanks. They, um, uh, Yoda says to them, um, "Where is it? It's in my notes here." Okay, learn something today, of you, Lieutenant. I think we all have, General. Um, <laughs> it's it's the it's the very very good wrapping up of the arc there, where they learn that you know they have to the sizes and everything. It's another sizes and everything. Um, there's a line, um, I have you three I do, outnumbered are they? And they look at, and the clones look at themselves like, there are four of us, and about 60 of them, how are they outnumbered? Um, and we see it's because Yoda and, Yoda and the clones have ingenuity and 
quick thinking and bravery on their side where the battle droids just by virtue of their programming don't um, also, did anyone notice, uh, this is another fun thing, did anyone notice that Ventress has learned a thing or two from Dooku because she uses the exact same distraction tactic against Yoda that Dooku uses against Yoda on Geonosis in episode two? Yeah, I never the thought about it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Like master, like apprentice. It's like poetry, you know, they rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one more thing about the cave scene. I think, uh, Going off of this being the pilot episode, they also really made an effort to establish that, like, not only is this show going to be about the clones, but it's going to be about humanizing and individualizing these clones. So, like, not only are you going to get to see more of the clones, you're going to get to see, like, who they are, what they stand for. And then by the time you get to season seven, like, what they're really struggling with and, you know, how all that ends up. So, like, I just love that because um, the show wouldn't be what it is without that. No, I, I actually Absolutely. just had a thought of a viewing order that would be fun. If you viewed Ambush and The Last Battle from Rebels back-to-back, what an emotional mm. trip would that be? Because oh. you see, the, the one of the main morals of Ambush is, clones better, here's why. Yeah. And The Last Battle is, clones better. Like the real enemy. Clones sort of. better, but droids and clones set up that that would be an emotional trip um yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah I, I i i love this episode so much as you know um as you can probably guess uh <laughs> at this point does anyone have anything to say about any of the three episodes um i think that about wraps it up i i thought it was a very I think this was a strong trio we 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 talked about here. Personally, I uh, I'm I'm mixed on uh, Clone Cadets. Like I think it's a good episode. I'm mixed but on personally, some Wild have... myself, but you know that's just me. But yeah, I think two of them are two of them are some of my favorite episodes. So I was we can all I was agree on that, which is good. <laughs> what do you, how do you feel overall about these episodes, Meg? Absolutely, yeah. I really like them. Um, I like how like different each of them. Like, it would have been interesting to do like a whole arc, but like the fact that these three were like so different, but also so interconnected at the same time with like their themes. Um, I really like that. I think Clone Cadets was by far my favorite of these three. Uh, I just really like. Uh, I really like stories where like people are forced to work together and then they like figure out how to do it um kind of like uh alphabet squadron which is like the books where it's like different pilots who fly different ships have to come together and be on this squadron and like figure out what their strengths and weaknesses are and like how to make it work um i just like this also being a kid show like obviously like adults watch it too and love it and it's great but like i think for kids to see that like sometimes you have to work with people you don't necessarily like work well with but you have to figure it out i think that's a, that's a really important thing to like get into kids heads especially like using star wars to teach that lesson i love that idea um star wars yeah. is for 12 year olds that's what george lucas said um, there you go okay anyway so um before we do our one quarter portion and we uh impersonate simon peck some more uh we're, we changed uh our question about pronunciation um, sorry, Meg, for putting you through this, but we're going to put some other people through this soon, and so we wanted to 
ask you about this. Talked about this on so many episodes. Um, the bounty hunter who tries to kill Padme, the first one in episode two. How do you pronounce her name? Uh, okay, I'm going to try to say it and not think about how wrong I probably am. Um, I say Zam Wessel. I Thank don't think you. that's right, though. We have Is that right? We have vindication. So here's the thing. In the Bounty Hunter video game, she says, Hi, I'm Zam Wazell. She Ooh, actually, I don't like that. She actually says that. But then, uh, but then everyone and their oh. mother that I've heard says Zam Wessel. I think Jacob, you too, right? The, the yeah, I say, I say part, Zam Wessel. That's the just confusing how part. The Legends Wikipedia the Wikipedia page, the canon one doesn't have anything. the The Legends one accepts both. Well, okay. You're so I'm looking at the one. name again, and like, if we're talking about like English and linguistics. There's only one S and two L's, so Wessel technically probably isn't right, but it seems right to me. It, 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 it seems, seems right, right yeah. to me. Is yeah. it ever said in... Not Attack of the Clones, in Bounty Hunters by the original in... actress, Leanna Wellsman, but, you know. Interesting. That was a good one. Yeah. Um, actually, we can do that. Should we do that announcement now, Jacob? I don't know. Um... We're uh, right. we're probably going to discuss this soon with Devor because we're having him on the show. Um, you can't say that yet, though, because um, <laughs> we haven't announced it yet. We're announcing it. We're announcing it Monday. This episode's coming out Wednesday, so um, yeah. Okay. Anyway, but so I hope you can keep it until then. You kept the AP exam in, so that's cool. Um, I I am the keeper of secrets. I will say nothing. Thank you. Great. Okay. Um, now, um, <laughs> let's see. Yeah. Before we get to the one quarter portion, um, uh, what was I going to say? Um, oh yeah. Uh, Jacob and I last weekend we want to do this for all the Mandalorian episodes. Um, did a like a review, a like a quick five minute review of the Mandalorian episode this week. But Jacob has not seen it. <gasps> oh no. So it's okay. You can you can spoil it. We can it. spoil oh, it because I told no him there's reveal. nothing groundbreaking in the episode i've seen it yeah. though uh chapter 10 the passenger so here's how we usually do it i hope you're okay with this i usually go with like uh chapter 10 uh the passenger was blank i have spoken and then we'll talk about our thoughts about the episodes because i wanted to do the wheel quote there so chapter 10 was weirder than i ever could have imagined it i have spoken chapter 10 was more tense than I needed it to be on that particular Friday morning when I watched it. I have spoken. That that, that seems pretty crazy. So, um, <laughs> Jacob doesn't mind what's well, it's basically the episode rolls around Mando taking a, we still don't have a species for her. Everyone's calling her Frog Lady, so I'm going to call her Frog Lady. Uh, that's frog what the lady. subtitles called her, apparently. Yeah, that's what the subtitles called her. Um, uh, to her home world where she says she's seen Mandalorians, uh, which is interesting. Uh, but they crash on a planet and they get attacked by so many spiders. Like, oh, so many man. spiders. I, I'm um, not, like, I'm not afraid of spiders, but that made me extremely uncomfortable. <laughs> it was, it was terrifying. Uh, I, I was all, I was just screaming at the, at my computer when I was watching it. I'm like, he didn't do this now. I'm like, burn it with fire. That's the <laughs> way you get rid of fighters. 
Burn it with fire! And he finally used the flamethrower. I'm like, good, do that more! Burn it with fire! Yeah. Um, uh, also, something that no one's talking about, Trapper Wolf is back. Oh, yeah. My favorite. Dave Filoni is a pilot, never losing, ever. Um, so, yeah. Let's get on to a one-quarter portion, though, so because I don't want to exclude Jake from the Mando talk. Oh. Um, Watch it <laughs> soon. Okay. It's I will, really I will. good. I'm planning on wa- I'm planning on watching it this afternoon. I'm I'm excited. I can't believe I had to wait this long, but I've just had a very very busy week. So I've been kind of swamped, yeah. but I'm getting yeah. there. I'm looking but, forward to it. It's light at the end of the tunnel. All, it really, all um, I will say is, um, someone needs to feed Baby Yoda. No, somebody <laughs> needs to feed Baby Yoda. Stat man. All I will say, no spoilers. Stat. Stat, somebody needs to feed baby others will all make sense once you watch a chicken. Um, okay, I'm sure let's do our I'm forward to it. Let's do our segment. I'm gonna do it, then Jacob, you can do it. Let's do this. <clears throat> One quarter portion. There we go. Let's do this. So this week at Star Wars Opinions, you know that segment that we made an entire live episode of a couple couple months ago. Um anyway, uh so this is we asked two Star Wars opinionated questions. We get our answers. Let's do this. Jack, go first, maybe. All right. So uh, this is going to be for each of you. Then you can answer in turn. If you could direct and basically create in your vision one Star Wars movie or TV show or really any piece of Star Wars media, what would it be and why? Meg, you take this one. Go first because. Your guests, go ahead. Um, I think like we've gotten a lot of Mandalorian content, uh, you know, obviously with like animated shows and then this, uh, the Mandalorian show. Um, I want more Mandalorian stuff. So like, even if it's like, even if it would be like a movie about stuff, yeah, like we haven't gotten, in my opinion, enough of that in canon, and like. I love Mandalorian lore. I don't know like everything about it, but like I will learn and yeah, <laughs> but um, exactly yeah. No, that would be my thing. Give me a give me more Mandos. Jacob, your take on this one? Uh, don't you don't you want to go first? I'll I'll go first. Okay, yeah. I've said this on the show before. Um, I want to make a mini series like like the Kenobi show, but like it's a mini series on Disney Plus. Uh, called Episode Zero, Fall of the Republic. And it's all the stuff leading up to, like, there was a, there was a, um, there was a Legends novel called Cloak of Darkness. And it was all the stuff that was leading up to Episode One. I want to do a canon miniseries. All the stuff that's leading up to Episode One. Get Liam Neeson back and it's Qui-Gon. I don't know what you do about Obi-Wan, but, like, uh, do something. Uh, maybe do Obi-Wan's Youngling Days or something like that. Do everything leading up to The Phantom Menace. That's what I want to see. So, like, uh, would it involve... So it would be about, like, the politics and the... the... politics, the Jedi's role, signs that... that the Republic is moving into darker days. I love both those ideas that you guys just put forward. I think a Mandalorian show, another one, would be awesome. <laughs> I feel like there's so much potential because, like... All of a sudden, we have the question of how, how come the Mandalorians aren't allowed to remove their helmets anymore? What happened to what happened to like Sabine and and, and the the Ren clan and everything? You know, wh- how did that happen? There's so much. Uh, what what's your pick? 
Oh, my pick. Okay. Yeah. I forgot we had to answer our own questions. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I would go with, I think, a Rebels follow-up show. Yeah. I loved it. I loved it's Rebels. I days. thought, I hope so. I really want it to include one thing I liked about Legends. After the fall of the Empire was the way there were a lot of splinter groups and there was kind of endless potential there that they really took advantage of all these different writers and artists maybe a little too much but okay okay <laughs> well of of the different splinter groups like you had zinge and you had thrawn and you had the crimson empire and i just i want to see more of that because that seems to me more likely than just the empire all of a sudden dissolving and the new republic having dominion so i think that a rebels follow-up show would be really interesting to explore some of those ideas explore there are probably going to be some warlords, fortress planets. They still have these massively destructive weapons. What happens when all of a sudden the empire that they've been fighting for crumbles and you see some of these dangerous figures, when you, when you see these ambitious figures who've been kept from the very, very top of the Imperial Command, kept on the like leash. these other moths, all of a sudden they, they can do their own thing. What would that look like? It would be really dangerous and scary, but I want to see that. I think that would be really interesting. That's just my, that's what I want to see. That's my fantasy. Good pick. Okay, my first question. With the success of, with people's general enjoyment, this was written, this question was written before the passenger, but after the marshal, because everyone's loved the marshal. I couldn't believe how much universal love there was for the marshal. Um, there was a re-evaluation uh, of the topic that's been, talked about in the Star Wars fandom for the last, like, three years, which is, uh, and I'm going to ask this question to both of you. Should Star Wars' future be in movies or TV? Mm. I have strong opinions about this. Um, Me too, honestly. I, I think Star Wars TV is going to be more important going forward than it ever has been before. Um, I think there, I mean, there will still be movies and they'll be great. But I think those movies can serve to like set the groundwork for shows because the thing about TV shows is like they can tell a broader story. They can introduce more characters, which can then branch off into other things, other shows, other books, whatever they want to do with that. Um, but also there's just the potential to have multiple shows happening either at the same time or like they end up like alternating. So like you have one season of something and then in the off season of that, there's something else. Um just the fact that there would be more Star Wars and it'd be more impactful just to expand the universe. Um, I, think I think, yeah. Jacob is probably inclined to, inclined to agree with you there, but I could be wrong. Oh, yeah, I, I completely agree. I think, Meg, I think you brought up a lot of good points. You kind of took some of the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> I think that given the track record of what we've seen in the past few years of the way the movies have been received with a lot more controversy and and then the way the shows have been received i think at this point i think the the shows from the animated shows going into the mandalorian them coming up with i mean it is this is highly speculative but come, but um them going forward with like fan favorite characters like kenobi and i hope there's gonna be more things like that i yeah. think that the overall those shows have a much better track record with the the core fan base and like the like the enthusiastic people without trying to um be like the hugest most like popular blockbusters talk of the town 
So right. I think that there definitely will be a space for movies. But I think that overall, I think I think TV shows, at least from my perspective, I've I've been more enthusiastic about the TV shows, and they feel they feel like the the people who are really invested the most in Star Wars, like some of these great directors that we've seen, like um, and and new people and old people like Dave Filoni, um, we've Favreau. we've seen John Favreau coming in, Deborah Chow. Deborah Chow. Came in, um, Psycho ITD. I'm, I'm definitely forgetting, but I just feel like we're seeing the most creativity, yeah, in TV shows. So definitely TV. I agree with Meg. So, um, you probably Jacob probably gets my opinion on this by now, but I'm gonna disagree. I think Star Wars food future should be in movies. Um, now I don't actually disagree with a lot of what you guys said. I think my thing is if Star Wars continues how Star Wars is doing, like how Star Wars was doing, like a couple years ago like a year ago where you, we get you know we get our movies in like every other year or something like that and we get tv shows in the off times um there can be more tv shows but i do think that the movie should be the backbones and maybe i'm a little stubborn about this but i i think star wars started as a movie franchise and i think it'd be wrong to not continue it as a movie franchise but that's just me um I, if basically mine is it's not like directly disagreeing with you guys. I think it's like if we keep things the way they're going right now, or like probably, or like really a year ago, that would make me happy. That's just me. Though. I okay. think. Uh, I think uh, movies could work a lot better in the future if two things: if they did more like solo movies and didn't constantly anthology movies. Try to yes, do. Tri- I'm on board. Yeah. Yeah, so like if it wasn't always a trilogy, I think that would do better. Also, the fact that they're not trying to wrap up 40 years of storytelling in three movies, um, yeah. I think they're going to be able to handle it a lot better. Uh, you know, there was the whole thing with like it really felt like they were rushing through trying to finish this story and it really hurt that trilogy a lot. Um, you know, I have my problems with it, but I also liked it. But that was one thing that really was obviously a problem. Um, I think movies... I think, especially now that they have a little bit more time to think about it because of uh, the delays that they're uh, working with now, um, they really can plan better and uh, not only coordinate like the movies with the shows, but like really, really think about like what are the stories we want to tell in movies going forward. Um, I think if they figure that out and everyone works together on that, movies could, you know, have the potential to be really, really, really good and really important. Look, yeah. I'm probably the one that's most positive about the sequels here because I feel like I kind of grew up with them and they're kind of my Star Wars the most. But mm-hmm. like, even I will admit that you know they're they weren't the most widely received, um, the best received. Um, you know, the last the Last Jedi, not a lot of hardcore fans like really digged it. There are some hardcore fans who really digged it and some that didn't. Um, I'm sitting with I think two different sides of that in this room right here. Um, but not like the discord anyway. Um, uh, and I know that the, um, and I know that the rise of Skywalker wasn't a lot of people's favorites. I disagree with that, but that's just me. But, uh, I, I really, I think if they get good creators, if they get, you know, I think, uh, Taika Waititi and Christy Wilson Carnes, I think is her name, uh, are doing that star, those Star Wars movies. I think that's going to be interesting. I'm really interested for what Ryan Johnson does. I'm really interested in what there was another person, uh, Leslie Headland, 
Oh yeah. Is she a TV show or is she a movie? I think she's a TV show. Never mind. Um, oh yeah, but still. But but anyway, yeah, yeah. I, I think they they get if they get these people with visions, I think that they can make some really fantastic movies. Okay, yeah. Jacob, uh, did you change the question or are you still going to do that question? Oh, I'm going to do it. Um, okay, Palpatine. Okay, if you were a Jedi in Order sixty six, and you managed to escape the first wave of clones trying to backstab you. Where would you go to hide? That's why I go. What would be your hidey hole? Um, where would I go? I'd, you know, I'd bank on Kashyyyk. Really? I, I'd go to. I'd hide among the Wookiees, like uh, what's like Quinlan Voss did in Legends, like Kento Merrick did in Legends. I just finished playing The Force Unleashed two. Wow, was that an interesting game? Uh, <laughs> uh, but from Force Unleashed one, we know that Kento Merrick. The father of Galen Merrick, aka um, your Stu. Sorry. Uh, anyway. Uh, but, uh, but he hot hit among the Wookies. He wasn't actually that successful, but Quinlan Voss was successful, and he and his wife and his kid lived among the Wookies, and I think it worked. So, Kashyyyk, Palpatine. Interesting. Okay. Um, Meg, where would you go? So. Like, everyone always thinks that, like, going to, like, some remote planet where you can never be found would be, like, the best option. I would just go to, like, a planet that's, like, super busy and, like, the one place that you'd never look because you wouldn't expect me to be, like, just right there. I would go there because, like, um, maybe not, well, you know, okay, maybe not Coruscant, but, like, maybe not very far away. Like, they expect all the Jedi to, like, go... Far away, maybe or something. Yeah, maybe I just wouldn't. I'd be like, "Hey, I'm right here," but you don't know. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That's really interesting. I think that brings up a question of it's a trade-off. Do you want to go somewhere so remote, so unknown, like Dagobah, where the Empire might never find you, or but would, you can but use it the would force. be, but they would never find you. But also, if they do find you, there's kind of nowhere to run because there's no one else there. Or do you go somewhere where you might, you could get lost, or, but, but you can't. Use you the could force. also be found, but it would be easier to then get lost again because there's and, just so many people around. Also, if there's yeah, a dangerous exactly. situation, even on a uh, or on a roughly populated, like on a decently populated planet, um, as we saw in Jedi Fallen Order, you know they track down Cal pretty quickly after he used the Force. So, I was thinking about this. Um, I don't really have a good answer yet unfortunately. So I was thinking maybe I would go to Rocketa Prime and try and unearth ancient Sith secrets to help defeat the Empire. I don't believe it. Is this Jacob's obsession with Rocketa Prime? (laughs) Many years ago, I used to be obsessed with the planet Rocketa Prime because I loved oceans and I thought it was super cool and awesome and I still kind of have a soft spot for it. So yeah, I think I'd go to Rocketa Prime. I'm playing KOTOR right now and I'm excited about getting there, so... Use the Sith's own. Um, use the use the Sith's own um, like techniques and j- j- just turn the tables. Turn the tables. Go straight to the heart. No, I would go to um. No, no, no. I would go. I would go to Korriban or to Malakor or to Zios to use the dark energies to mask the Jedi Force nice presence, cannon. so they wouldn't be able to tell. There we go. That's what I did. That's what there I did. There you go. 
Is Zyas canon? I'm not sure. I don't think Zyas does canon, but I think it's an interesting planet. So I'm, yeah. I'm just going to say I, sure I, I don't have planet. any problem with that. I just, yeah. Um, okay, my question. Here we go. I'm excited about this. I was thinking about this earlier today. Um, so one of the things Star Wars is most famous for is the lightsaber duels. And my question is, if you could get two characters, and they have to be Force users, uh, who have never fought in a Star Wars movie, and they could be in the lightsaber duel together, who would you go with? You know, it happens actually. This would be a this would be an interesting one. This happens a lot in Battlefront games. Uh, but uh, can we see a Ray and Darth Maul duel? Ooh. Though I'd be extremely yeah. biased against that in that duel because there's a character that I hate in that duel and there's a character that I love in that duel. So, <laughs> yeah. My 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 answer of who would win that one would be extremely one sided because I love <laughs> Ray and I hate Maul. So. You know what? We never got to see um, Mace Windu and Anakin go at it. Um, you know, whether as Darth Vader or Anakin, like they butted heads heads so much. I like. I want to see that. Like, <laughs> want to see them just like yeah, go for that's, it. Yeah, that would. Be I would fun. like that. that. Would be a fun duel. If I, I think there's a decent case that like, if it's if it if it's Mace Windu versus Anakin. I want to say it's pretty one-sided, and the Mace, Mace takes it. But if it's Mace versus <laughs> Vader, then it gets more complicated. Yeah. And, like, what Anakin's... Like, light-side Anakin, I don't think, stands a chance against Mace. Dark-side Anakin, I could see arguing he might. Mm-hmm. Vader, I could see beating Mace when did. Yeah. Yeah, I think... Someone I would want to see... This could be wildly imbalanced so i'm not sure from which era of each but i would love to see a ezra and luke face off maybe luke maybe ezra at the very end of season four yeah if you put ezra at the end of season four and luke at empire strikes back that's a fair i think that would right be an there. interesting i think that would be an interesting duel i would say it would be tipped towards ezra if you do empire strikes back luke uh, then, but if you do return the Jedi Luke, then Luke takes it by far. <laughs> the fun one would be Ezra season one versus Luke New Hope. Oh man! Like, uh, like before he's a Jedi, like like uh, Spark of Rebellion Ezra versus the two Force sensitive <laughs> young kids who don't know they're Force sensitive yet, but are amazing. Um, thank so, you so much. Thank you for uh, listening to this episode of In a Galaxy. Thanks to Meg for hopping on and talking some clones with us. You can find her at Meg Dowell on Twitter, uh, at Utini underscore us. Uh, it's Utini on Twitter, at P-R-O-J star underscore Stardust is Project Stardust. And Starboard Dawn is just at Starboard Dawn, right? Did I get all those correct? You did. Uh, yes. Okay. Um, and you can find us, um, we are on, uh, you can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcasts, you can find us right there. Uh, follow us on Twitter at InAGalaxyPod. Um, email us, SWInAGalaxy at gmail.com. Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, next week, we are discussing uh, the Malevolence arc, uh, Rising Malevolence Shadow Malevolence and Shred Malevolence with Jared the Dark Jedi from the Nerd Academy podcast. I'm excited for that. Um, the week afterwards, we just announced this on Twitter a day ago when we post this. 
Uh, we're going to be doing an interview like the one we did with Meg a couple months ago with Devore, uh, who's the host of A Large Review of the Force, uh, the podcast, which is awesome. We love his show, and we're so excited to be getting to talk to him about that. Um, am I missing anything, uh, Jacob, that you can think of? No, yeah. Thank you so much, uh, Meg, for coming yeah, on. Thanks, I had a great Meg, time. For coming around. Um, may the Force be with you. Always. <laughs>